So today we are talking about having an open spirit, okay, having an open spirit. And we're talking about this theme of openness all throughout August. And um, I mentioned this in our weekly email uh, a couple of days ago on Friday because I knew I wanted to talk about this today. And it's this interesting concept that I learned when I was in seminary, when I was in graduate school, called common grace. It's this idea that uh, followers of God, the people of God, Christians, namely, can cooperate with and even learn from non-Christian sources, non-Christian sources, such as uh, philosophies, media, and even other religions. And when I first learned about this concept when I was in my early 20s, uh, I thought it was ludicrous, okay? I thought it was like heretical, okay? And as a narrow-minded, arrogant, and rigid young adult pastor, um, I, I was very bigoted, okay? And I thought to myself, and I, I even made comments out loud during class that if it's not from the Bible, I cannot learn about God from it. <laughs> if it's not from the Bible, I cannot learn about God from it. However, uh, interestingly enough, the Bible itself confirms this notion of common grace. And we're going to lo look at one of these passages today in the book of Job. And it teaches us that whenever we need to learn from God, all we need to do is not just look at the scriptures, but even we can just look around us. Okay, we can look all around us. Okay, uh, and we can observe nature. Okay, we can observe the way like people interact with each other and learn about God that way. Okay, all we need is the uh, is eyes wide enough to see it, ears sensitive enough to hear it, and spirits open enough to sense it. And some of the world's greatest thinkers saw God at work in everything. Some of the world's greatest thinkers saw God at work in everything. Uh, one of the greatest writers of uh, the modern era, Henry David Thoreau said, my profession is to always find God in nature. Uh, in the diary of Anne Frank, uh, Anne Frank said, the best remedy for those who are afraid, lonely, or unhappy is to go outside somewhere where they can be quiet, alone with the heavens, nature, and God. Because only then does one feel that all is as it should be and that God wishes to see people happy amidst the simple beauty of life. And the late great Mother Teresa, Saint Mother Teresa said this, we need to find God and he cannot be found in noise and busyness. God is a friend of silence. See how nature, trees, flowers, grass grows in silence. See the stars, the moon and the sun, how they move in silence. We need silence to be able to touch souls. So for me, as a, a preacher, as a pastor, as a chaplain, it's sometimes, not sometimes, often <laughs> easier to find inspiration in other sources. And as I was thinking about this and looking at my own life, uh, because my life has felt very unstable and unpredictable and even um, very painful at times, it's difficult for me to find inspiration 
in my own life when I look around. So when I'm feeling like a lack of inspiration, I often look to other sources. I, I put my face, bury my face in books or I listen to podcasts. But I, I was trying to draw from inspiration from my own life lately. And um, as I was like behind my computer this week, like trying to prepare for today's message, um, my son Drew kept on like bothering me, bothering me. <laughs> and I bought him this book that he asked me to buy on Amazon uh, a few few days ago. And he wanted to keep reading like and showing me pages from this book, right? And I'm like, Drew, stop bothering me. I'm trying to find inspiration from my life, right? And I'm like looking around and Drew keeps coming at me, right? And so I'm like, fine, fine, fine. And then he shows me the book th that I bought for him that I didn't even bother looking at, okay? I just bought it for him on Amazon. And it's this book. <laughs> I don't know how many of you know this book. It's called Dog Man. And this version, okay, uh, it's called Mothering Heights, right? Um, I'm like, okay, cool, cool, cool guy. All right, awesome, right? But he, he's like, but look at the back. Look at the back of the book, okay? So he shows me the back of the book. And I was like, this is so profound. Uh, I just have to take a picture of this, right? Uh, and for those of you who are watching online, and, and there's some glare because it's a hardcover glossy book. Um, I'll just read it for you. It says, when all else fails, can love prevail? And these four comic boxes says, when the world seems dark and it looks like these two characters are drowning in what looks like orange juice, I don't know. <laughs> when the world seems dark and the next box says, and full of despair, and this little cat character is head down and just kind of look, looking sad and there's a falling leaf right behind them, very poetic. <laughs> Um, and this next box I found really interesting. Um, hope is not lost. And I don't know what that, I don't know what's going on here. It's a chief shaking hands, like from above, shaking hands with a nurse below. And it looks like they're in the stars or something. And maybe symbolic. Uh, and the last box says, love can win. And it's a picture of a parent hugging uh, their child. When the world seems dark and full of despair, <laughs> Hope is not lost. Love can win. And here I am, like, trying to find inspiration from wherever, wherever I can pull from. And my son keeps, like, bothering me, like, bothering me. Like, Appa, look at this book. Appa, look at this book that you bought for me. Okay, I want to show you this. I want to show you this. I'm like, oh, I'm trying to focus. I'm trying to find inspiration from God, right? And lo and behold, like, God was trying to inspire me through my son. And this is the this is the irony is that like I'm trying to <laughs> prepare this message about having an open spirit and yet my spirit was kind of closed off I wasn't able to see what God was trying to show me like right before my eyes and that brings us to the central truth for today's message having an open spirit can see God at work in almost everything having an open spirit can see God at work in almost everything. Today, we're going to look at Job chapter 12, verses 1 through 13. Job chapter 12, verses 1 through 13. Uh, if you don't have your Bibles or your Bible app, you can look at the screen with me. Or uh, if you're just listening or watching online, uh, just follow along as I read for us today. Job chapter 12, verses 1 through 13. Then Job replied, 
doubtless you are the only people who matter and wisdom will die with you. But I have a mind as well as you. I am not inferior to you. Who does, who does not know the, all these things? I've become a laughingstock to my friends, though I called on God and he answered. A mere laughingstock, though righteous and blameless. Those who are at ease have contempt for misfortune, as the fate of those whose feet are slipping. The tents of marauders are undisturbed, and those who provoke God are secure, those God has in his hand. But ask the, animal, ask the animals, and they will teach you, or the birds in the sky, and they will tell you, or speak to the earth, and it will teach you, or let the fish in the sea inform you. Which of all these does not know that the hand of the Lord has done this? In his hand is the life of every creature and the breath of all mankind. Does not the ear test words as the tongue tastes food? Is not wisdom found among the aged? Does not long life bring understanding? To God belong wisdom and power, counsel and understanding are his. Let's pray. When, Lord, when our lives are full of busyness, it's very difficult for us to pause and spend time with you. When our lives are filled with noise, it's so difficult for us to be able to hear your Holy Spirit's voice. When our lives are full of pain and sorrow, it's difficult for us to recognize and feel your presence with us. Lord, over the course of the past um, two and a half and three years, all of us have been forced to become more closed off to the rest of the world and more isolated from our loved ones and more calloused to your spirit. We are now recovering from all of that. We are stepping out of those moments of darkness and pain and difficulty. And we are leaning onto you. Help us, Lord, to come out of our shells, to open ourselves up and have spirits that are more open and recognize and see and hear and feel that you are at work all around us all the, all the time. We pray all this in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. All right. So today we are reading from the book of Job. Um, little Bible trivia uh, for the few of you who are here. Uh, what is the oldest book in the Bible? Can anyone guess? Job. Job. Ding, ding, ding. Many people assume it's Genesis. 
because it's the first book of the Bible, but it's actually Job. Okay, it's actually Job. Uh, and uh, the author of Genesis is the, the late great prophet Moses, right? And legend has it that one of the oldest stories that Moses knew was the story of Job, which is pretty incredible, okay? Job, uh, even though it's the story of this um, man who had a lot of wealth and all that stuff, it's, it's a really, really ancient story, okay? So I don't know how much of it, like, is considered historically accurate, but if you're focused on that or if you're fixated on the timeline and all of that stuff, you're going to miss the point of the story of Job, okay? You really have to take the story for what it is, and receive the, the truth behind the story and what God wants to reveal to us in this story. And what's really, really interesting about the story of Job is that um, not everything is like clearly explained, okay? It could be interpreted in different ways. And there's some parts of the book of Job that are sarcastic or um, ironic, okay? But People can't, but they don't really, but they might re like read it as if it's uh, like a textbook. Okay. But it shouldn't be read like that. Okay. It should be read like this, like ancient story. And a lot of it is filled with grays or a lot of um, fill in the blanks. Right. And you have to interpret it. Okay. And, and every time I read the book of Job, um, wherever I am in my life will color uh, or filter what I receive, okay? It's, it's a book that I've read like several times and every time I read it, every time I come back to it, God always reveals a different aspect or a different perspective uh, in the story, but also in my own life whenever I read it. So this time around, when I'm going through so much instability in my life, when I'm experiencing so much uh, change and oftentimes I feel very lonely and sad, and and lost it really affected the way i read it uh, this past week now the book of job is based on a man his name is job to no surprise okay and he is a man who se seemingly had the perfect life okay here are a few little details about him uh job was from a land of Uz, okay which in hebrew just means east so we don't really know exactly where he's from or exactly, you know, uh, what city or town that he lived in. It's just, he's from this area in the East. <laughs> all right. Um, so if you're Jewish, all right, and you live in uh, the Middle East, you might interpret it as like, oh, this guy might be Asian. <laughs> or maybe he's Persian, right? Or maybe he's, uh, you know, somewhere from the East, okay? Um, so he's this man from this like mysterious place out there. Uh, he was a very, very good man. He was a righteous man. And we, uh, that's like one of the first things we know about Job in chapter one, verse one. We also know that he had a very large family. He had many, many kids. Okay. He had many, many, many kids. And uh, we know that he was able to take care of all of these kids because he was also very wealthy. And that is revealed to us in Job chapter one, verse three, that he is a very, very wealthy man. Uh, he had a lot of land, okay? He had a lot of property, and he was also a very, very good father, okay? He was a, he, he loved being a family man, okay? He was a loving husband. He was a loving father. Uh, but to top it all off, he was a very, very righteous and God-fearing man, 
he worshiped God wholeheartedly and diligently. And that's revealed to us in Job chapter one, verse five. And so it seemed like Job lived this perfect life and he had it all, right? And so there's this, apparently there's this like uh, cosmic dialogue that Satan has with God, right? And Satan is like, uh, uh, is talking to God, having this conversation with God. And God is like telling Satan, look at this man, Job. He is such a righteous man. He is such a good man. He is a model of humanity. He is what uh, every human being should strive for or strive to become like. And Satan, being the tempter that he is, uh, he questions God. He says, yeah, it's easy for Job to be righteous. But what if you take away all of his earthly blessings? What if you take away his land, take away his wealth, even take away his family, his wife and his kids? Would he still love you? Right? Would he still worship you? Would he still be a righteous man? And God, uh, uh, he says, of course he would. Of course he would. And Satan gives God this challenge, like, let me take all these things away and let's see if Job still is a righteous man. We'll see if Job is still uh, loving you and uh, is still living according to your laws and your, um, your ways. And so, so Satan does this. Okay, so Satan does this. He, he slowly starts taking away everything, literally everything from Job's life, right? Uh, he takes away uh, first his, his land and his wealth. All of these like disasters happen in his land and, uh, and he begins to lose all his money, but he still has his family that loves him. And then one by one, he starts losing his children. One child dies through, through sickness. Another di one dies by an accident. Another one dies by murder. So like he starts losing his children one at a time but he still has his wife. And then his wife eventually, like, he loses. And then he's left all alone. But he still has his health. <laughs> he still has his health. But even then, he's tormented with these, like, plagues and disease and sickness. And so he has, at the end of it, like, according to worldly laws, he has absolutely nothing. He's left with nothing. And he's still righteous. He's still worshiping God. But you can imagine how difficult it must be for someone like Job who had all these things, right? And he's left alone. He's left poor. And he doesn't even, uh, he, his, his, his health is even suffering. You can imagine how difficult it must be for him. So he was experiencing a lot of loneliness, a lot of depression. And to kind of top it all off, he was receiving some of the worst advice from his friends. <laughs> some really, really terrible counsel, okay? So in Job chapter 10, which is two chapters before uh, the chapter that we just read, Job uh, kind of goes on one of these like really sad, depressed rants, okay? He says things like, <laughs> I loathe my life. I am in deep despair. Why was I even born? I am in utter darkness and disorder. And he questions even God's 
like love for him. He says, God is hidden from me. Now, this is the beautiful thing about the book of Job. Back in the day when I thought that, um, oh, you want to give that to me, Riley? <laughs> Sorry about that. So, um, yeah, back in the day when I read these things, I was like a college student and in my 20s, and I would read passages like Job chapter 10, where Job's going on these rants about like how sad he is, how depressed he is. I kind of thought like that was Job falling into temptation. But now when I read it, I'm like, oh, this is actually really healthy that Job is able to express these things. Okay, this is what he's feeling, right? And he's even wondering and, and, and doubting if God is even there. And that's very normal. That's really healthy that he's able to express these things. But some of his friends, when they hear him like express these things out loud, like uh, I am in utter darkness and disorder. God is hidden from me. His friends give him terrible advice. Right. Uh, okay. So in Job chapter 11, which is the very chapter in between Job 10 and the passage that we read today, uh, one of his friends, Zophar, um, I could, uh, all right, I just thought of a pun. Zophar was so far from what he needed to hear. Okay, sorry. <laughs> okay, so one of his friends, Zophar, was giving him some really, really poor counsel, really, really bad advice, okay? He, he was saying, to, after Job was going on these rants, like, um, you know, uh, and his friends were hearing him saying some of these things, uh, Zophar would say things like, beg for forgiveness and sin no longer. As if, Job brought these evil things, like these terrible things to, upon himself because of some sins or whatever, okay? Uh, here's another thing that Zophar says, okay? God has forgotten you. <laughs> Here Job is in, you know, in, in chapter 10 when he says like, uh, God is hidden from me. Where is God? Okay, he's doubting himself, right? And then Zophar says like, yeah, you're right. God has forgotten you. <laughs> what a jerk, right? <laughs> And here's another, okay, here's another crazy thing that he says, which actually people say all the time. Like Christians say this all the time and it like drives me crazy, okay? He says, you cannot understand the mysteries of God. People don't want to hear that when they're going through really, really difficult times, okay? Um, AKA, another way of saying this is God works in mysterious ways. That is not biblical, okay? That is not from the Bible. Unless you want to quote this jerk, this uh, idiot, Zophar, okay? <laughs> okay, when he says to Job at the most depressing, the lowest point in his life, you cannot understand the mysteries of God, right? You, people don't want to hear that, okay? People don't want to hear that when they're depressed, okay? Uh, God works in mysteries. The reason why people say that, the reason why Christians say this is because it's in a really, really old Christian song, okay? Or Christian song, okay? But it's actually not biblical, all right? Uh, it's not in the Bible. You can't, if you look for that phrase in the Bible, you won't find it. And here's the absolute worst thing that uh, Zophar says, which doesn't seem to be that bad, okay? Maybe if you read it and you're like, okay, he's just trying to be a good friend. Um <laughs> He says, life will be fine at noonday, which means like tomorrow things will be better. But can you just imagine like being in Job's position, like um, his children will still be dead. His wife will still be gone. 
he has no money, okay? He has zero money in his bank account, right? And he's covered in these like boils, like all across his skin, right? This horrendous like skin disease. And his friend says to him, uh, you'll be fine at noonday. No, I won't. No, he won't, all right? He will not be fine at noonday. He'll still be really messed up, right? He'll still be lonely. He'll still be depressed. And the whole reason why I, I say all these things, and this might have like very little to do with today's message, is because when we are like suffering, when we are in pain, when we are lonely, when we're depressed, um, the best thing that someone can provide for us is just companionship, right? And an empathetic ear to listen to us and to feel and, and grieve with us. And maybe what we long for when we're going through things like this in someone else is what God has always been for us. He's always been that presence for us. And oftentimes when we're going through such difficult moments like Job is in today's passage, um, and we wonder like, where is God? Why is God hidden from me? It's because in many ways, it would be insensitive for God to like bark orders at you when you're going through such pain. In the book of Romans, it says that the Holy Spirit grieves for us in groanings indescribable in words, which means in many times when we are going through difficult things, the Holy Spirit is right there beside us, just grieving with us. Not saying much, but just grieving with us and empathizing with us. And the first thing that we can learn about having an open spirit from today's passage is this. An open spirit um, keeps us teachable, okay? How did I? I think I might have worded it weird. Oh, okay. I, I worded it weird here, okay? An open spirit remains teachable, okay? An open spirit keeps us teachable, okay? I meant to write keeps us, okay? An open spirit keeps us teachable. In verse 2, Job says to his bonehead friend Zophar, doubtless you are the only people who matter. <laughs> or he's saying this to his friends, okay? It was Zophar who said these words, but there were like several friends there. He says, doubtless you are the only people who matter and wisdom will die with you. He's being sarcastic, okay? He's being sarcastic. And people who read the book of Job like a textbook might not catch on to this, okay? They might be confused. Okay, he's being, and there's, a, and the reason why I know he's being sarcastic is because there's an exclamation point at the end of the sentence. Doubtless you are the only people who matter. Surely wisdom will die with you. Okay, can you just imagine like, you know, your friend saying this boneheaded thing and they're like, oh, okay, so you're the smartest people in the world. And when you die, this world is going to fall apart. <laughs> okay, that's basically what he's saying. Okay, he's being very, very sarcastic. All right. And the reason why he's saying this to his friends is because he's recognizing that they are know-it-alls. They seem to have all the right answers and they're very close-minded, close-spirited. Okay, they're very close-minded, close-spirited. And having an open spirit keeps us the opposite. Okay, it keeps us humble. And it allows us to learn and grow even in pain. In fact, I would argue that we can often like grow and learn the most 
especially in pain. In our Western society, in our capitalistic, very individualistic um, kind of greed-centered society, when we experience pain, we just kind of want to like, like buckle down and just like power through it, right? And just get past it as fast as possible. But for those of us who are trying to have an open spirit, we're paying attention and we're asking ourselves, what is God teaching me in this moment? Like Job, okay, God is not the one inflicting this pain, but God can be teaching you something. He can be showing you something in that pain. So having this open spirit keeps us uh, teachable. Having this teachable uh, mentality, teachable spirit. And not only in pain, but even in the everyday mundane things in life, like nature, can teach us profound lessons on God, spirituality, faith, life, right? And we just have to have spirits open enough to be able to like see it, to hear it, and receive it. In verses um, seven and eight, and this is beautiful, okay? And this, these are the verses that I shared with you all this past week in my email. Job says, ask the animals and they will teach you or the birds in the sky, and they will tell you. Or speak to the earth, and it will teach you. Or let the fish in the sea inform you. God is the one who created nature, created the universe, created every living thing on this earth. And that is what common grace, this uh, concept of common grace is all about, is that the fingerprints of God are on all of his creation. The fingerprints of God are on all of his creation. And when we are open to that, and when we remain teachable, an, an open spirit also keeps us connected to God. Okay, An open spirit uh, keeps us connected to God. When we see God at work, we remember that we are not alone. It may feel at times that everyone has abandoned you, but when we see God at work, we remember that we are not alone and it keeps us connected to God in profound ways. Um, I was really wrestling with whether or not I should share this, but uh, since we have a smaller group, like I'm okay sharing this. So, um, Let's see. Uh, five years ago, uh, I was seeing my uh, individual therapist, my, my therapist that I started seeing again a few months ago. Um, I was with her for like three years. I met with her for like three years. So uh, after meeting with her every week for one year, she got to know me very well. Okay. And one of my biggest struggles back then was pornography. I would watch pornography like semi-regularly back then and it was a big struggle for me and whenever I would watch pornography I would share it with her almost like confession <laughs> I would share it with her and then after some time she asked me this really strange question um, she asked me like what is what do you think God is doing in your struggle with pornography I was like what 
want to think about God when it comes to like my struggle with lust and like, you know, um, and she's like, no, the reason why I asked this is because maybe there's like something you're tapping into within yourself when you're longing for this, you know, it may be in a way that is unhealthy or that's that you don't want to do, but there's a part of you that is missing. There's something within you that is longing for something when you're struggling with this. And I thought about it, right? I thought about it for a while because I, I never put like those two together, like pornography and God, right? I never put those two together. And then I realized like, I'm longing for like deeper connection with other people, like real connection. And the only time I realized like the only times I am as vulnerable as I am is when I'm in therapy and that's not healthy. And that's not enough, right? It shouldn't be just to a paid professional <laughs> where I can be this intimate, right? This connected, this deeply connected. And uh, after I realized that, that's when I realized um, I shouldn't just like, in, in order for, for me to get over this like struggle that I had with pornography, I shouldn't just try to like abstain myself from this. What I should really strive for is deeper and deeper connections. And that's really when I started to experience some healing and recovery from this. And if I didn't have like a spirit that was open at the time to receive this, I probably would have been like, uh, all right, Dr. Ellen, let's move on. Right. Her name's Ellen. So I'll call her Dr. Ellen. All right, Dr. Ellen, let's move on. I don't want to talk about this. It's making me very, feel very uncomfortable. But in the moment she like asked me that question, I was like, hmm, there might be something behind this. So I was thinking about it for a while. It actually took me like several weeks for me to get back to her and answer that question. And having this open spirit helps us to remain connected to God. And it really did help my spirituality a lot after that session or those few sessions. And when we can remain teachable and when we can remain connected to God, it helps us to always return to gratitude. It helps us to always return to gratitude. Because if you're seeing the work that God is doing, right? The central truth for today, again, was uh, having an open spirit can see God at work in almost everything, right? If you can see God at work in almost everything, right? You just can't help but be grateful, right? When you see God at work, even in your pain, when you see God at work in nature, uh, when you see God at work in almost everything, you can't help but be grateful. Here's kind of a, it seems like a trivial, but like really profound example. Um, verses 11 and uh, 12. Uh, verse 11 says, does not the ear test words as the tongue tastes food? Is not wisdom found among the aged? does not long life bring understanding, okay? So even thinking about like what your ears can hear, right? What your ears can hear, like even just like music, right? And that's part of the reason why we, when we're singing songs in the beginning of each Sunday gathering, okay? It's music helps us like connect to God in a way that just speaking does not, right? So if you have ears and yours is like listening to music, that helps us to become more grateful when you realize like how, how profound it is. Okay. It's like these daily mundane like activities that we do uh, all the time that we're surrounded with all the time. But if 
sometimes like if we're not like open enough to receive it, right, we might miss it. Or food. <laughs> um, does not the ear test uh, words as the tongue tastes food. Sometimes I eat a meal that's like so freaking good that like I pray with every bite. <laughs> I don't know if you all ever experienced this, okay? But uh, usually I try to pray before I eat any meal. But sometimes like when I'm eating like a really delicious meal, like Korean barbecue, right? And every, I, every time I dip the meat in the sesame oil and salt and take a bite, I'm like, oh, thank you, Lord. <laughs> or when I'm eating a delicious burrito, right? Every bite I take, I'm like, mm, God is good. <laughs> and uh, I'm, I'm not... And it almost sounds like I'm, it's like a joke, but it, I'm really not. Like, I'm like so grateful for like every, and I, <laughs> I became so much more grateful after um, having COVID like two years ago, and I lost my sense of taste and smell. And when it came back, because that was like the scariest part for me, right? You know, because I know what a fever feels like. I know what a headache feels like. But then when I lost my sense of taste and smell, I was like, oh my God, oh my God, what am I going to do? Oh my God, what is life? Oh my, what am I going to do? Like, ah! <laughs> uh, like it was so freaky because when I would drink coffee, it just felt like hot water. It was like so freaky, right? And so um, I lost my, obviously I lost my appetite. I didn't want to eat anything for like four or five days. I had no sense of taste or smell. And then it slowly started coming back. And then after um, a little over a week, like it came back fully and everything was just like amazing. It was just like, <laughs> it was like a party in my mouth. <laughs> like I would eat, a freaking apple. I'm like, oh my, oh my God. This is like so amazing. Oh my goodness. This is like freaking amazing. And <laughs> having this, I, I just took it all for granted. I just took it all for granted. And when people have a closed spirit, you realize like they're taking life for granted. But when you have an open spirit, you realize like how much we actually have to be grateful for. How much we actually have to be grateful for. So uh, in closing, I wanna um, share from the great theologian, Dave Pilkey, who is the author of Dogman. <laughs> this picture that uh, I took, uh, that I shared earlier today. <laughs> when the world seems dark and full of despair, hope is not lost, love can win. So uh, the reflection question that I have for us today is this. How can you have a more open spirit? How can you have a more open spirit? Maybe this is a question that we can, ref we can all reflect on throughout this week. Let's pray. Lord, you go before us, you walk behind us, you walk beside us, and you live within us. May we have eyes wide enough to see, ears sensitive enough to hear, and spirits open enough to receive and recognize that you are always at work all around us. Thank you for never giving up on us as you have never given up on people like Job. Thank you for 
your constant presence, even when we don't always see it and help us to see you at work in our lives always. We pray all this in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. All right. Have a blessed week, everyone.